Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, we will look at how to pull down miracles from heaven. Jesus will share exactly what moves him to move in the miraculous. All we need to do is make him want to. I also wanted to point out right away that often I will reference film clips. The Lord speaks to me through music, stories, movies, and other metaphors. My first book, Clips That Move Mountains, that is now in the second edition, includes 23 film clips that act as wonderful metaphors for biblical principles. Today, there are three film clips that will be referenced. And I wanted you to know that each episode, there are links below on the Podbean website that reference those clips. So you can experience them if you like. These referenced film clips are there for you on each episode that we would have a film clip referenced. Have you ever experienced a miracle from God? If you answered no to that question, you have not been paying attention. The very fact that you can see and hear God through these encounters is miraculous. The God who created the heavens and the earth bends down and listens to you and speaks directly into your heart about matters that are important to your life and healing. I think that's pretty miraculous. What are signs, wonders, and miracles? A sign is a visible proof that attests that a miracle has happened. When a person is healed and they are no longer sick, their new state of healing is a sign of God's intervention. A wonder shows God's complexity and order. The patterns that we see in the micro as well in the macro world show God's amazing order and complexity. Facts like the earth revolves around the sun or the plants produce oxygen so we can breathe are examples of wonders. Just because science can understand some of God's wonders does not make them any less awesome. Science is nothing more than understanding God's world. You may be able to understand gravity, but you could not have created it. If you consider the millions of creatures the Lord created and how they exist in perfect systematic harmony, you would be wowed by God's amazing wonders. I will do a future episode on the Creator and what it means for us to be created in His image. I'll share what I learned when researching that topic for the Encountering the Power of God book that's upcoming in 2022. It blew my mind to learn about God through His creation with the astounding patterns and detail that no man could ever duplicate. A miracle is when something thought to be impossible in the natural world happens, or when something highly improbable happens supernaturally. Essentially, it's about breaking the barrier of the limitations of this natural world and seeing something amazing and out of the ordinary happen. Why does God perform miracles? There are 84 verses in the Amplified Version of the Bible that include the word miracle. When researching them, I discovered some themes and patterns of why God reveals himself through miracles. In some of the verses that showed up in Exodus, Deuteronomy, and in the Psalms, the themes that popped up were, so people would know the great power and love of the great I am, to make himself known as real and alive, 
to encourage belief in him and his purposes so people would revere and respect God, to prove that he is God and that what he says he will do, so people will repent, revere, and respect God and turn from their evil ways and to show proof of God's authority. Certainly, the mighty miracles experienced by the Israelites in their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land in Exodus can be seen in all those bullet points. Why did God give us the gift of miracles? The ability to perform miracles is one of the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the heart of the believer, he brings with him nine manifestation gifts. See 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11. We will address all nine in great detail in another podcast, but the working of miracles is one of the three power gifts, which include healing, faith, and miracles. The Lord described to me the nine gifts in this way. They are like treasures hidden in your heart, behind closed but unlocked doors. When you spend time with me in praise, worship, and scripture reading, you grow ready for those doors to be opened. When the Holy Spirit sees your faith, he swings wide those doors and has you release them according to his purposes. Let's talk about the relationship between faith and miracles. I once heard Bill Johnson preaching a sermon, and he said, Why did Peter's shadow heal? Bill was referencing Acts 5, 14 and 15, that said, More and more believers in the Lord, crowds of men and women were constantly being added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried their sick out to the streets and put them on cots and sleeping pads, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them with healing power. Bill answered the question, because your shadow will always release what overshadows you. I thought that was quite interesting and true in my own experiences. If you are around a particularly negative person, that spirit seems to spread and be a bit catchy in the room. We carry the living God with us. Do people notice? I asked the Lord to clarify this for me. I asked, Lord, your word says that it's impossible to please God without faith. See Hebrews 11.6. And I have noticed that sometimes you perform miracles because of the faith of people, and sometimes it's to increase their faith. What then is the relationship between faith and miracles? And he said, faith like miracles comes from me. They are both gifts of the Spirit. I am the source, so that is one relational point. My will is the basis of all miracles. Sometimes miracles happen apart from faith entirely. Take the examples of your friends Marsha and Santosh. Both were unsaved at the time of their near-death encounters. They both died and met me, and then I sent them back. No one was praying for them. They were certainly not praying to me. Neither of them knew me at all. But it was my will, 
for them to wake up because I had a purpose in their lives. So I showed up. Their temporary death experiences woke them up to the truth, and they both surrendered their lives to me. Jesus continued, When you are praying for the miracle worker to show up, the first step is to always seek my will. Know that I am always motivated by love. Ask me the conditions and obey them. Believing, trusting, and obeying are often the conditions. My timing is always strategic for maximum impact. So be patient in the waiting. If I make a promise, you can take it to the bank. I am the promise keeper. 2 Corinthians 12.12 says, The distinguishing marks of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs, wonders, and miracles. The word for genuine apostle in the Greek lexicon is apostolos, which means a messenger or delegate sent out by Jesus Christ himself to preach the gospel. Any believer in Jesus Christ with the indwelling Holy Spirit can grow in maturity enough to be trusted with all these spiritual gifts, including faith, miracles, and healing. We are all commissioned to represent God, and we are personally sent by Jesus Christ himself. God's ways are very different than ours. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Just because it looks like things are not happening as fast or in the way you expect doesn't mean that God is not able or willing to answer your prayer miraculously. He just may do it in a completely different way than you expect. And his soon is not what you and I may consider soon. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. God is strategic. His timing is connected to his kingdom plan, and he makes sure that it is perfectly timed for fruitful and maximum kingdom impact. His omnipresence means that he knows everything that will happen, and his omniscience gives him the wisdom to balance out all things to make sure that his timing of a miracle is perfect. His omnibenevolence wraps the miracle in his perfect love, and his omnipotence ensures its long-standing effect. So stay faithful in the waiting, and when God does come through with the miracle, it will be better than if you received it before its proper time. Remember also that waiting is always a test. Lana Vowser, a prophetess from Australia, released a prophetic message while I was writing the chapter on the miracle worker for the Encountering the Healing of God book. It was entitled, I heard the Lord say, Do not be discouraged by another testing of your promise. My timing is perfect. This is not a setback. It's a setup for miracles. Lana shared, In this moment of things testing your promise, I heard the Lord say, Posture your heart as Elizabeth did. Believe and expect fulfillment. Do not cast your eyes upon the things that speak against your promise, But stand in hope and faith, 
knowing that an appointed time for the manifestation of the promise is upon you. Allow the Lord to fulfill His promise to you in His way and in His timing. Create the space for the new thing to grow through your faith and surrender, yielding to His timing, for the faithfulness of the Lord is going to be demonstrated to you in profound ways. See Lamentations 3.22. Lena continued, The Lord wants to encourage you. Don't look at what's happening and the stretching right now and despise it, but trust Him as He has you. He's got you, and He's faithful to accomplish that which He has spoken. See Isaiah 55.11. Let's talk for a bit about grieving the Holy Spirit. Some of the 84 verses related to miracles were warnings related to signs, wonders, and miracles. The Lord is grieved when we don't recognize His miracles or when we take credit for God's work. The Israelites forgot what the Lord had done for them, and this grieved and angered Him. Psalm 106.7 says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand nor appreciate your miracles. They did not remember the abundance of your mercies nor imprint your loving kindness on their hearts. But they were rebellious at the sea, at the Red Sea. God doesn't like it when we don't believe him for the miraculous. When Jesus and the disciples visited his hometown, people didn't believe that he was worth listening to because they had known him since he was a boy. As a result, Jesus limited the miracles he demonstrated there. See Mark 6.5. Our world imagines too big of a devil and too small of a god. We can tend to believe for horrible outcomes and have trouble believing that God is big enough to take care of our issues. It's all about having a clear and true picture of who God is and who you are in Him. This was addressed in our Overcoming Worry with Jesus episode number three. As Christians, we need to believe God for the authority we have in Christ to pull down the miraculous. Remember that the enemy has no power over us other than what we give him by our agreement. Bill Johnson said in a sermon once, Powerlessness is inexcusable and unacceptable in the body of Christ. At some point, we need to believe the truth of what we have within us with the Holy Spirit. We need to stop praying for stuff we already have and agree with our Christ identity the truth of what God says about us, in order to release these gifts. If you want to live a life of victory, as you navigate your Christian life, you cannot afford to have a thought that is not correct about who God is and who you are in Him. Any thoughts that do not line up with the truth will hold you back. Jesus gave us a model for praying and living in what we call the Lord's Prayer. This prayer was never meant to be mindlessly spoken, but rather looked at it as a key prayer formula for living an empowered Christian life. Matthew 6, 9-13 says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
The first verse of this prayer reminds us always to begin with our eyes fixed on God and not ourselves. It is a call for us to look to the Father so that we may see from His heavenly perspective. The next verse instructs us to understand that God's will is primary and His desire is for the earth to look like heaven now. Next, He instructs us to walk daily with Him to get our direction one day at a time so that we do not lag behind and we do not jump ahead of him. This reinforces the biblical principle that God desires us to walk with him and not work for him. This prayer also reminds us of the critical nature of forgiveness that is important for us to be able to walk out our purposes with God. Unforgiveness will keep you in bondage. In the last verse, it reminds us that the real enemy is not of the world, but in the world. We are to keep our eyes fixed on God so that we can see the schemes of the enemy and not agree with them and fall into limiting traps. This prayer is a formula to help us understand God's plan for all his kingdom workers. When Jesus was on the planet, he showed us how to stand on the authority of who we are in him. He did this by exercising his authority over the storms, sickness, demons, and by being perfectly connected with the Father's will. We can do that by being connected to Jesus' will. See John 5.19. As a child of God, it is your divine assignment to facilitate the miraculous in this generation, to those people for whom God has given you influence so you can draw them near the heart of God for his will and purposes for them. I wanted to share my own miraculous story while I was writing the first two Experience Jesus books. I guess I couldn't write a book about healing and miracles without the Lord doing a bit of work on me. I was sifted like wheat in this book writing process. I will do my best to share only the highlights of my journey with the miracle worker. The book writing process for the Experience Jesus series was based upon a set of six classes per book. And there are four books. They were all held online because they were happening at the beginning of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic season. Each week, the Lord would help me design a class, I would teach it, and the next day I would write the chapter. This process allowed for folks to practice the encountering exercises with God live in the class. Many of the encountering stories shared in the conclusion chapters of the books came from these class participants. The Meet the Friend class recording from the first book in the series, Encountering the Love of God, failed to process. There were a handful of people that missed that class, and I wanted to get it back miraculously. The Lord said that I would get it when I learned everything I needed to learn to write the Meet the Miracle chapter for the following book. During the preparation for the Miracle Worker class, eight weeks after the loss of the recording, I had quite a long journal conversation with the Lord, making sure that I had learned everything I needed to teach that class. He asked me to share my learnings and then green-lit the class for teaching. I told God that I wanted to get the recording back and that I really wanted him to show up as the miracle worker on the class that night. He assured me that he wanted to show up as the miracle worker even more than I wanted him to. I just needed to trust him. For this class encounter, we called for the miracle worker to show up and I specifically asked for the recording to manifest. 
We kept looking in all the files and couldn't find it. I was at a complete loss as to what happened. I was disappointed and baffled. I shared already in episode two, The Secret Power of Childlike Faith, that later that night I showed up in my special place as a child wearing jammies. I was going to stay there all night until I got my answer about why God didn't give me what I was expecting during the class. I was looking for Jesus in my special place in the gazebo area, and I bumped right into an invisible Jesus. I could hear and feel him. I just couldn't see him. He talked to me about opening the eyes of my heart more. Jesus also told me the spirit of disappointment had manifested and created a bit of chaos in the class. The open door for that was that I had a season where five of my CLU students that I was grading that week had given me work that needed to be kicked back for lack of proper heart focus. One after another disappointed me to the point where I had enough unconfessed frustration that the door was open for this spirit to mess with me. After I had confessed and repented of the frustration and disappointment, Jesus took care of those issues on the spot. I saw Jesus as Aslan, the great lion, from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, and the demons manifested as Scar and the hyenas from The Lion King. This choice was interesting to me because in The Lion King movie, the villain Scar was trying to rob Simba from fulfilling his destiny. I think that much of illness and spiritual warfare are related to attempting to throw us off our purposes. I stepped into the skin of Jesus the great lion, and together we roared, and the earth opened up and swallowed a lot of them. Looked like they dropped to hell where they belonged. I've always noticed in children's movies that the bad guys fall from high places to their doom. I woke up to a kiss from the Lord in my special place. My five-year-old self had slept there and I noticed that an outdoor bedroom had been added to my special place on the side porch of the building that to this day I still have not seen the inside of. There is also another dance floor to the left of the bedroom now. I love how the Lord continues to expand the special place over time. I was sure that after taking care of those demons, I would get my recording back. No, I couldn't. I was officially mad at God. He didn't fall off his throne, though. He simply said that it wasn't what I expected, but that he did show up as the miracle worker. It was right there. I just needed to see it. He said it wasn't about me or what I wanted. It was about a larger group of people. When the recording for the miracle worker class came back, I watched the whole thing. Perhaps he had showed up on the film or something, and we just couldn't see it at the time. People on the class recording were saying things like, maybe it's in a different file, or have you looked at all the files? Another said, Anna's birthday. That was random. Then in the Spirit Life Circle the next day, Julie said, Spock. These were weird and arbitrary God messages that would only make sense in hindsight. How did the healer reveal himself differently than expected? Well, I finally noticed something odd. Zoom recording folders for an event usually have three files. But in the Zoom folder for the Miracle Worker class, there were two additional files simply marked Playback and Picture Shortcut. What were they doing there, I wondered. 
The photos in these images are on the links below in the episode of my Podbean website, so you can see what I'm talking about. When I opened the playback file, it was a prophetic word that I captured on my phone at a Holy Spirit conference at my church in April of 2019. It was not a Zoom file, and it was not the recording of the friend class that was missing, but it was there for a reason. I listened to that entire recording several times and took notes. There were comments about running a race, dancing with Jesus, honoring him with my gifts. There was a section about turning things around in a significant way, good shifts that influence influencers. One thing that one man said was, out of discovery, we become discoverers. That comment stuck with me. Back to the file folder. I noticed that this folder had a pictures file. When I clicked on it, there was a picture entitled, Anna's Birthday. I had completely forgotten that I had chosen that photo to include in a card I was making for our friend, Anna. I liked it for her because Anna is a cyclist, and this photo was of a little girl who had childlike faith and confidence on her face. God was sending me these clues and messages in these documents. Here was a photo entitled Anna's Birthday in a Zoom folder for a Miracle Worker class recording where someone had mentioned Anna's birthday during that class. Next, I searched for the original recording of the conference prophetic word on the computer. I was expecting to find it on the date of the conference, but God had another surprise for me. The conference was in April of 2019. On that prophetic message, I commented on the fact that I had recently begun training a small group of mentors to expand the Spirit Life Circle service internationally. This Zoom recording file folder dated 3-26-19, a month before the conference even happened. It was that first training session and included the prophetic message file that I wouldn't even experience until the next month. God was definitely showing off now. What does Spock have to do with anything? Well, if you're not a Star Trek fan, Spock's character is known for his logical nature. But when Julie said Spock, I immediately remembered a scene from the Star Trek movie, The Wrath of Khan, where in messianic fashion, Spock sacrifices himself to save the people on the ship. Spock says, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. I'm grateful that just about every classic film clip can be found on YouTube these days, so I searched for Spock's death scene. The link for that is below as well if you want to watch the scene yourself. In the film clip, when Spock spoke the words, Kobayashi Maru test, I got glory bumps. That was interesting, I thought. I had no idea what that was. I backed up the video and watched it again. More glory bumps when I heard Kobayashi Maru. Hmm, I thought this is definitely something. So I researched it and I learned that the Kobayashi Maru is a simulation for cadets in the Star Trek world as a test of character when facing a no-win situation. 
Cadets thought the exercise training was for problem solving, but the test was actually measuring if a leader chose a selfless or a selfish path. I asked the Lord to explain what he wanted me to understand about it. He said, people live their lives like they are facing no-win situations all the time. They get a horrible diagnosis or have a tragic childhood and still carry around imaginable pain. They can feel trapped in what seems to be impossible situations. He continued, I passed the Kobayashi Maru test by sacrificing myself on the cross so you can gain access to supernatural solutions. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. This was my selfless decision. Your test is not about winning. It's about your character. That is, will you stand on my promises and believe me and align yourself with my solutions? Or will you choose to give in to your fears and stay stuck and unwell? My passing the test creates the way for you to pass your tests. Your job is not to find a solution to a no-win situation, but to realize that I already have, and your part is to pass the character test. Laying aside your will for mine is making a selfless choice. Will you trust me for your healing, selflessly, or will you try to take care of it apart from me, selfishly? In me, there is always a way to your healing. Even death is not a loss, but gain for believers. Seeing the truth through my eyes and obeying what I say will lead you to your healing and to the peace that surpasses understanding. You don't need to find anything but me, and I will show you the rest. What you want is not always what you need. There is more than meets the eye. I don't do things the way you expect, and I am never limited by natural laws. The Lord explained to me that I may have wanted that file, but I didn't need it. What I needed was to make sure that the lessons in the the book and on this podcast help the many and not the few or the one. For me, he showed up as the comforter in my five-year-old self getting tucked away in my special place, and the deliverer as the great lion Aslan, and the miracle worker through a picture of a child with childlike faith, a prophetic message given a month before it was even received, and a lesson from a sci-fi movie clip. God is a creative healer. The miracle worker is all about pulling heaven down to earth. What moves God to move it? That is inspired by our next movie reference. Everything the Lord wants you to understand about miracles is nicely summarized in the film Little Boy. It is about the childlike faith of Pepper, a young boy whose father was a World War II prisoner of war. Against his entire town's disbelief for his father's safe return, Pepper demonstrates for them and shows us how faith works to pull down miracles. Both of the film clips that we're going to talk about today have links below in the episode information. After being inspired by the priest's homily on the mustard seed parable, see Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Pepper asked the priest about what it takes to have mustard seed faith. In this first film clip, the priest asked Pepper to move the bottle from one side of his desk to the other with his faith. 
Pepper turns red from trying as the priest encourages him to continue believing and continue trying. Then the priest picks up the bottle and moves it across the table. Disappointed, Pepper says, You moved it. And the priest responded, I moved it because you moved me to move it. That's how faith works. It is the emotions of God that move him to move on your behalf. Matthew 9, 6 says, When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion and pity for them because they were dispirited and distressed like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14 says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt a profound compassion for them and healed their sick. Luke 7, 13 to 14 says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said, Do not weep. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Young man, he said, I tell you to get up. I asked the Lord the question, What moves you to move it? He gave me a list of 16 things. These summarize a lot of what we've already talked about right now and serve as a nice reminder of the key points of this podcast. Here is what Jesus said was his list. When you show me your childlike faith, when you connect with my heart and seek my will, when you ask, seek, knock persistently and don't give up, when you see me as bigger than your fears or worldly limitations, when you agree with my promises, when you have a heart of gratitude regardless of the waiting period and continually speak in agreement for my promises, when you testify about me with boldness and without the fear of man stopping you, when you take a step of faith toward the promise that proves that you believe me, when what you ask for is coming from a pure heart of love, it's selfless love, when you ask for what you need from my perspective and not from what you think you want from your perspective, when it will increase the faith of the people watching so they can see me as real, when you know who you are and you step out with confidence and authority that you have in Christ. When you expect me to be who I know I am, and you know who you are. When you demonstrate spiritual maturity by giving me the glory and not taking credit for it yourself. When your eyes are fixed on me so you can see from my heavenly perspective. And when you understand that my timing is strategic and always perfect. That is a powerful list, and it can be used as a diagnostic tool. The word when reveals that God is showing you conditions. When you meet his conditions, he has to move because he's a promise keeper and needs to behave consistently with his nature and character. All you have to do is ask what those conditions are and obey them. Then you can patiently expect him to show up as the miracle worker. 
Pepper's story in the Little Boy movie continues when his brother angrily mocks him for his faith in front of the entire town. His brother challenges him to move the mountain viewable in the distance near the town. With the whole town watching uncomfortably, Pepper stretches out his hands facing the mountain and continues to believe God persistently to move that mountain. Some people try to get him to stop, telling him it's okay, you don't have to do this. But Pepper persists until the earth starts to shake and signs start falling from the storefronts. The people were stunned with awe and terror. That is most certainly the power of childlike faith. Later in the film, Pepper's father does return, no doubt protected and delivered because of the immense power of a faithful praying child. I hope you can see how many of God's lists above this little guy demonstrated in this story. Sometimes when God shows up miraculously, it can be terrifying. God's power is unmatchable. But I think you would agree that Pepper certainly demonstrated how to move God to move it. Are you ready to have an encounter with the miracle worker? The questions I want you to prepare your heart to get answered in today's encounter are, what miracle do you want me to believe you for? And what mountain needs to move? How can you move God to move it? As in all of our encounter experiences, make sure that this is the right time to do it. You may want to pause this recording and make sure you have properly postured your heart with praise and worship before you do. Make sure that you have spent some time with God in a quiet place and have your journal handy to be able to capture your experience. If this is your first episode, you may want to listen to our trailer episode first, where I share the biblical foundation and teach you the four keys to encountering God using the dialogue journaling process we use to experience God. You will want to experience the special place encounter first, as it is an anchoring place we reference in most of our encounters. Make sure you record your experience in your journal and keep the conversation going. Ask as many questions as you need until you know exactly what God is saying and requires. What will happen in this encounter is that you will meet Jesus in your special place as a child. You will spend a couple minutes playing with him, and then you'll ask him, What miracle do you want me to believe you for? Allow him to answer you, show you, or emotionally help you feel what he wants you to believe him for. Then ask him specifically what will move him to move it so you can bring this miracle down from heaven. Pray in agreement and then behave according to what he's asking you to do. Heavenly Father, we just thank you in advance for what you plan to do and show this person in their special place. Help them to relax and be open-hearted to receive you today. Lord Jesus, take them to their special place. Spend some time playing. And then allow them to ask their questions. What miracle do you want me to believe you for? And what will move you to move it? Ask as many questions as you need. Pause the recording and make sure you journal your experience and then come back here 
for the rest of the podcast. Well, I hope that you learned a lot about how the miracle worker works and that you may have even had a miraculous story in that encounter to share. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.